It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. A 27-24 win for the Steelers over the Titans. Man, Kurt, this one had some squirm-in-your-seats moments late, but, man, there's no overstating how big it was for the Steelers. They're standing in the race for the AFC's first-round bye to the fact that they now have to travel to Baltimore for a huge division matchup this week. I mean, Kurt, that win was huge over the Titans. Huge. Oh, it was so big. And, you know, I I joke all the time that I'm never comfortable with a lead. And, I mean, Pittsburgh just gave me every reason why that is last week. You know, you're up 24 to 7 at halftime, and then you get outscored like that in the second half. But I said that's one of those wins that when you're on the road, you just put your head down and you get on the plane and you fly back home and you're happy that you got it. What was your takeaway in the second half? Obviously, uh, the first half was just was just brilliant. It was just an awesome first half. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. saw the Steelers blowing doors in this one, right? But the Steelers only scored three points in the second half. A couple Big Ben interceptions. The Titans kind of get it rolling. Thank God Steve Guskowski missed the field goal at the end, or who knows what would have happened in overtime. But, you know, what did you see in that second half that kind of were, were kind of got off the rails a little bit? Well, I think the on offense, I think that they kind of got away with the or got away from the short passing that they had done in the first half. I think they they tried to get a little fancy. They tried to take some shots downfield. I mean, the one interception where it got tipped up in the air. What are you going to do? I mean, it wasn't necessarily a bad play. Once that ball goes up in the air like that, it's pretty much, you know, it seems like it hangs up there in the air forever before it comes down and you're just, you know, it's never going to turn out the way you want it to. But yeah, I mean, I I think I even said on Twitter, you know, I I felt like they kind of got a little too cute. They made some adjustments at halftime that, that just didn't really seem to fit offensively. I still really didn't understand. I've gone back and rewatched the game. I hate to say it, but it, it kind of felt like for whatever reason, Big Ben was trying to feed Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster the football a little bit. Um, I feel like Chase Claypool had some opportunities and he didn't get him the ball that probably on some um, some drives that could have kept the, kept the drives moving. I, I said prior to the season with all these young guys, and no true number one, it was going to be a matter of week to week, kind of who, you know, who had the hot hand. And I know Deontay Johnson had a had a great game. Um, and even Smith Schuster had some nice plays and had quite, a, I think he might have led the team in catches. But to not to even target Claypool any more than they did just didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Butler had kind of rolled over to Johnson in the second half. He covered Claypool quite a bit in the first half, but then he kind of rolled over to Johnson. I, I just can't understand why they didn't look for those opportunities like they had in other games where Claypool had some nice matchups. I was going to say it was very strange. Yeah. I was going to say one target, one catch minus two yards. And and that, that is a staggering stat line, Kurt, right? I was going to throw that. I was going to ask you that question about maybe, maybe that's a better fantasy question for people, right? I mean, we saw with Deontay Johnson back in the lineup, what it looks like, right? I mean, Claypool took a clear back seat to Juju and Deontay Johnson. There's just no sugarcoating that. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I hate to, you know, like you said, I, I said, you know, I even wrote about it this this last week leading up to the game that Juju Smith-Schuster seems really content with not producing as long as the team's winning. And that's great. But I really feel like the way he kind of got forced the football this last weekend, that maybe that really wasn't the case, that maybe behind the scenes, there was some conversation about getting him more targets this week. And he, he and he did OK. I mean, he produced. 
but I still think that there were some situations um, on the interception. The the that last big pick that uh, that Ben threw, Claypool was open. I mean, he was wide open. You know, you just hate to to wonder if he was kind of looking away from him, kind of assuming he was going to draw more attention this week. I don't know what it was. Defensively, you know, when you think about what went wrong, I still contend that the the defense is is tired. The defensive line in particular, they aren't deep. They've got Tuit and they've got Hayward and they're great players, but I'm not at all convinced on the the depth of the defensive line. And I think you saw a lot more of Alex Highsmith subbing in for TJ Watt in the second half. You saw Ola Denier in there a little more. I think that the the depth of the defense um, in that front seven really kind of shows um, in games like that where you knew Tennessee as soon as they started to come back a little bit, they just decided they were just going to start pounding the football again. You know, that wears out a defensive front, and Chris Wormley got hurt. They had to call a guy up from the practice squad, Henry Mondo, before the the week to add a little depth, and they had Isaiah Bugs as a healthy scratch. I don't know what's going on with the defensive line, but I just have a funny feeling that that group is getting a little tired they got 10 games to go with no break. So Right, and, and the tough, and probably the toughest challenge coming up here this week. So. Yeah. All right, the Steelers are 6-0. They're the only undefeated team left in the NFL. We'll look at the Steelers' schedule, the AFC playoff picture, and, of course, the Ravens. Kurt and I will get into all that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here. Let's talk about week eight strong plays as we approach the critical time of the fantasy football season. Despite what has been an awful season for Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz, now is the time to get him into your lineup. The Dallas Cowboys are actually a statistically mid-range defense against quarterbacks in 2020, but the position has still averaged 25.5 fantasy points per game and has thrown 15 touchdowns in seven contests versus just one interception. Wentz has been a turnover machine in 2020. Expect that trend to be bucked this week. He has just enough weapons to be relevant in a fantasy football lineup. Not much has gone right for the New England Patriots on either side of the ball in 2020. Running back Damian Harris could be the bright spot this week against the Buffalo Bills. Injuries have plagued this defense, and Buffalo has given up 15% more fantasy points than average in the last three games, fueled by four touchdowns allowed in those three contests. With Cam Newton struggling so much throwing the ball, look for Bill Belichick to give it to the running game more than usual. The Seattle Seahawks have been a wealth of fantasy points for wide receivers in 2020. 49ers receiver Brandon Ayuk has a chance to shine in Week 8. Seattle has been hilariously bad against wide receivers in 2020, giving up 60.1 PPR points per game. The next closest team is Cleveland at 48.3. San Francisco just lost Debo Samuel for a couple of games with a hamstring injury last week, and you can bet Ayuk, who has been a consistent contributor as a rookie, will find various ways to perform up to par in fantasy football in Week 8. Seattle has to focus on containing George Kittle, and that will give a lot of opportunities for Ayuk to use his speed down the field. Chicago Bears tight end Jimmy Graham gets a rematch against his former employer facing the New Orleans Saints. Tight ends have scored once a game on average versus this defense, and four different players have logged at least a dozen PPR points against New Orleans in 2020. Graham doesn't even need a lot of volume in this one to offer a better than average chance at finding the end zone in week eight. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
Kurt, I saw your post on the Steelers wire, and it's so interesting. You look at the AFC playoff picture. Teams that have, like, two wins right now, like, you look at a team like New England, right? They're almost mm-hmm. out of this thing. The Steelers at 6-0, and the Chiefs at 6-1, and Titans now 5-1, and Steelers now have the tiebreaker over them. That's that's huge. The Bills are 5-2, and the Steelers see them later on this year. The Ravens, the Browns, the Colts, the Steelers are going to play all these teams. So they really are in the driver's seat for the number one seed when you think about it, right? And you Absolutely. Look at, and you look at the schedule coming up at Ravens, at Cowboys, versus Bengals, at Jags. Then they get the Ravens again, the Washington football team, Bills, Bengals again, Colts, Browns. If they split with the Ravens, beat these teams that they should definitely beat, and maybe give one away to like the Bills or the Colts, like I could easily see them going 14-2 and two, or maybe 13-3 and three at worst. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think thirteen and three. I said at the start of the year that they were eleven win team, but I think right now, just looking ahead, I think thirteen wins is pretty reasonable. At the least, you know, yeah. I, these next six games are going to be so big because you get Baltimore twice, and then you've got four very winnable games. The two biggest games on your schedule are Baltimore because there's so much to do with tiebreakers and and you know how that all fits in the AFC North but then you get the Cowboys and you get the Jaguars you get teams you know you get the Bengals yep. you get games you can win and you should win absolutely and so if they can come out of this next 6 games 5 and 1 and be 11 and 1 headed into that Colts game and that Browns game and that Bills game i think that'll be huge for them because th- at that point if you if you split with Baltimore if you can sweep the Browns you know you you create just enough distance for yourself unfortunately only the top team's going to get that by this year but still if if they can if yeah if they can go five and one over these next six it'll 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 really frame things up for them in that in that last five games where they may not feel the pressure you know the colts are good i mean i i wouldn't shock me to see them lose to the colts and the bills down the stretch especially if if just attrition you know, if they just start to wear down yeah. toward the end of the season or if they get locked into a, a kind of a playoff seating for that those last couple of games, they may they may rest some guys and hope they can kind of push through. But, yeah, I think they're a 13 win team. I don't know if that's going to be enough for the number one seed, though, at this point. I mean, Kansas City might not lose again. Yeah, you're you know, right. they you're could right. they could go 15 one pretty easy. So absolutely. I, even if they split with Baltimore, but Baltimore could go 14 and two. I mean, that would you know, at this point, the, the haves and the have nots, there's such a gap between them in the AFC that I just, I don't know. What do you think about this matchup in Baltimore on Sunday? I know the game opened with Ravens minus five. Mm-hmm. My app already has Ravens minus three and a half, so there's no doubt yeah. early action on the Steelers at that number. What number would you be comfortable betting for the Steelers as an underdog in this game, Kurt? Like, it's down to three and a half. It could creep to two, two and a half, something like that, maybe by kickoff if people really like the Steelers. What do you think? I mean, if you want to give me points, I'll take it. I'll take it no matter what. Any points. I, I Yeah, I think because uh, uh, honestly, and I was talking to the Ravens wire editor um, this week already. You know, he's even of the mind that he doesn't think Baltimore can beat Pittsburgh. And I just I just have a feeling that they're going to find a way to win this game. So, I mean, I'm going to take any points. I would love to have had five at the start of the week. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But uh, I think once everybody started taking Pittsburgh, it really kind of drove that line down. They didn't have any choice but to start to lower it. I don't know why it was that high to begin with. Yeah, but yeah it was too high. Way too high. Yeah. You knew it was coming down. You just knew it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I mean, these, these two teams, uh, you know, I looked this up. Steelers lead the all-time series with the Ravens 28-24. So this is really a back-and-forth series. And the Ravens won both matchups last year, but that's hard to gauge because the Steelers didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. So you really got to go back to 2018. What happened? They split. Right. So yeah. this is we talked about the Browns Steelers being a rivalry. I mean, this is a lot closer to being a real true 
you know, oh, sure. knockdown, drag out rivalry, right? I mean, this is, and this I mean, is good and I mean, Baltimore, you know, Baltimore's good coming out of the bye week um, under Harbaugh. I think they're seven and two. Their record at home coming out of the bye week is very good. So I think there are a couple of things that really work in Baltimore's favor this week. I think that, you know, having the bye week where Pittsburgh's had to play straight through is big for them. You know, we'll just we'll just see what happens. But this is definitely, I think, Calais Campbell, the defensive end for the Ravens, said that this might be the, the best rivalry in pro sports. And I it's probably up their top five anyway. More on this game coming up next, and I want to get Kurt's thoughts on a few other things. Maybe, you know, an old Steeler has landed back in the NFL. I'd like to get Kurt's take on that as well. We'll do that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 8 Monday Night Football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New York Giants. The Bucks at 5-2 and two are favored by 10.5 points with minus 115 odds. The Giants, 1-6, and six, are getting 10.5 points at home, minus 106 odds. They're also plus 390 on the money line. Jeff, is there any way listeners can take the Giants in this game? Oh, absolutely. I'm on the Giants plus 10.5. Tampa Bay will be without uh, one of its best wide receivers in Chris Godwin, and the Giants have covered seven over the last eight when getting double digits since 2004, including earlier this year against the Los Angeles Rams, who are a good team. Get out of here. The Giants offense, an absolute mess. The Bucks. They have won every game by at least seven points, four by at least 14 points, five different leading receivers. That Giants defense doesn't have it to stop them. Subscribe to Bet7 Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Kurt, the trade deadline is coming up soon. I saw a post on the Steelers wire. Maybe they could be in on some guys. Do you think, though, it's really feasible that they do make some type of move here before the deadline? And what do you? What's at the top of your wish list? Well, I'd love to see him bring in a linebacker. I mean, I real, I, I think Robert Spillane's a good guy. Um, I think Ulysses Gilbert next year is probably going to be pretty good. Um, but I definitely would would like to see them try to work a trade. Yeah, I, I talked about three guys, kind of dug through the rosters, look for guys on the last year of their contract, maybe guys who are losing reps to younger players a little bit. I, I would I would be happy if they would they would maybe work a trade. Now, I know that there was some other writers talking about, oh, they could trade Juju. You know, because he's going to be a, a free agent at the end of the year sure. and really bring in kind of top end inside linebacker from another team. Not sure I'd go that far. The season that Juju Smith Schuster's having this year, I'm not entirely sure the Pittsburgh can't re-sign him next year. I mean, I don't I don't think he's going to break the bank with his contract demands at the pace he's going. But I think if you could bring in a guy who could be kind of a veteran presence, Vince Williams is calling the defense now. Vince is great. Best off-ball linebacker in the wow. NFL as yeah, far as I'm concerned. Great game last weekend. Great game against yeah. the Titans. Yeah, I mean, he he's so underrated. I, I still think that the Steelers owe him an apology for bringing in Mark Barron last year and replacing him in the starting lineup. It was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous experiment to try to create a hybrid sort of linebacker safety position. It did no good. Mark Barron was of no benefit to the defense. Vince Williams is so much better than he is. I mean, he's proven this year, you know, most tackles for loss by a inside linebacker in the NFL. I mean, he's, he's so good. And, and because of that, you can kind of look at that other linebacker spot, I suppose, and say, it really doesn't matter who you put there because as soon as they go nickel, that guy goes off the field anyway. 
but I, I would like to see a trade. I mean, I, I'm I'm one of the ones that really kind of looks at this team, and I don't like the idea of upsetting a lot of chemistry. I think especially on offense, a lot of chemistry there. The offensive line has gone through all these changes. They're still playing so well, but I'm always in for more talent. If they could get a, a nice athletic veteran linebacker, get him for a mid-round draft pick, uh, that, that'd be fine by me going forward. But it, it is absolutely the Steelers' way to do things to not make that trade. Just stand pat and do what we do. Yeah, uh, but speaking of upsetting chemistry, Antonio Brown is back. He's back in the mm-hmm. league, Kurt. I can't let you go without getting your take on this. Did Bruce Arians just detonate his chances of winning the Super Bowl? I mean, the Bucks got it going, man. They got it going. They look good. They're scoring a ton of points. They're third receivers leading their team in receiving every now and then. Scotty Miller, Brady's throwing the ball like he, you know, ten like he was ten years ago. They look good. Their defense is nasty. The Bucks look really good. And now they're bringing in Antonio Brown. He could he could play against the Saints as soon as week nine. I understand how talented Antonio Brown is, no doubt in my mind. But if the Bucks were were okay, kind of on the fence, you know, needed a spark, I could see this move. But the idea of bringing him into a team that's already playing so well, I don't see how it does anything but cause problems. Feels like a desperation uh, move, kind of. Doesn't oh, it? Well, right, and, and they're and, not desperate. And, you know, <laughs> And, you know, the, the, the Antonio Brown has kind of kept his head down, stayed out of trouble for the last few months, you Good know, ever since the big, the, all the big Facebook live or Instagram live videos yelling at his wife or whatever. And, you know, finally somebody got a hold of him and said, just shut up and stay in your house. And eventually, you know, you're, when, when your agent fires you and your lawyers leave you, and finally somebody got him to just kind of put his head down and, and stop being out there in the public eye so much. It, it was clear at that point some team was going to take a chance on him. The thing is, is that in all the time that that I've watched Antonio Brown going back to that first contract extension the Steelers gave him when he's, you know, all up in Ryan Clark's face at practice because he's the man now. And, yeah, yeah. you know, back in whatever 2011 or the whatever turn, it was the turning point kind of the turning yeah. point where he became the guy <laughs> yeah he's never been able to hold it together that well i mean i know this last two years is when sort of non-steelers nfl fans saw the worst of antonio brown but we can't act like this is new within the organization i mean mike tallman just did a really good job of just sort of pressing it all down and keeping it out of the public so I just can't see I can't see he's going to be able to hold it together for the rest of the season. But he is such a Tom Brady fan that maybe he will do between Tom Brady and Tony Robbins. They will keep him on the straight and narrow until football season's over. I don't know. Yeah, I, know. I just saw that Tom Brady did the post from his the, the, the Twitter or Instagram post of him and Brown smiling arms around each yeah. other in the house. And I just saw Kurt. I saw the same photo when he came to New England last year. Same exact photo in Brady's house. I think they were down in Massachusetts at that time. And, oh, the same post. Everyone's happy. And then, bang, it just blew up. And it did not take long. He was a Patriot for 11 days. So I I hope they can get him a helmet that he's happy with. It's always something. It's it's the little things. Yeah, it's always something. So I don't think Mike Tomlin misses him. We'll just put it that way. No, no. <laughs> so him or Le'Veon Bell, I think that I'm happy for Bell getting to go to a winning team. But yeah, I don't think either of those guys are missed at this point. <laughs> Not at all. all right. What's the number one key uh, in the matchup with the Ravens, Kurt? What do you think uh, needs to happen for the Steelers for them to get this? I think they got to play four quarters of football. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they can beat the Ravens playing two quarters of football. Yep. I I'd rather see them play ninety percent for four quarters 
then get a hundred percent for two and 70% for the, for two others, because I just, I don't think they can win that game unless they can play a full 60 minutes. There's, there's just no way we can, we can dig into how to slow down Lamar Jackson. You know, they've kind of proven they've had a, had good success kind of keeping him in check last year, even in losses, they probably played him as good as any defense in the league did. But if, if you can't play a full game of football, um, eventually good teams can beat you. And I, I think they got lucky against Tennessee. You know, Tennessee had 10 more minutes. They probably would have won that game um, because I don't think Pittsburgh was going to stop them. And I don't think they could, I don't think Pittsburgh could, was going to be able to move the ball. And so I, I think that they've got to, they got to get up early and they've got to just keep their foot on the pedal. They can't, they can't ease up in the second half or else they're going to lose. And I mean, six and one's not the end of the world, but it's not where you want to be when you're undefeated. A chance to make a statement to beat the Titans <clears throat> yeah. and Ravens on the road in back-to-back weeks. I think everyone, everyone, everyone will be okay, Kurt, if they split these two games. I think yeah. everyone saw this and said, man, it's a tough stretch. You got three road games in a row with two of them are Titans and Ravens. So yeah. I, no one's going to complain if they split here. But boy, would it be a statement if they win. So it doesn't get much better than this. Steelers at Ravens. So looking forward to it. I'll be gobbling up your content on Steelers Wired, Kurt. <laughs> uh, enjoy the game and have a great week, my man. All right. Thanks so much. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.